Whatever happened to just like, you know, giving them an actual product that doesn't work? You don't need that anymore. You're living in the last millennium. Product. (laughs) Next thing you know, you want me to have a store where you can buy the product? That doesn't work. Yeah. We're dispensing with all that now. You just give me your money. And and then you've given me your money. (laughs) Cut to the chase. Just give me your money. Just give me your money. You don't get anything. That's the beauty of it. You walk free. Yeah. And lighter in the pocket. Yeah, but you bought something. Welcome to Hey You Know It. My name is Jaquetta Sotmar, and I'm here with my co-host, Katie Kazmier. Hey You Know It is a podcast that tells you how it is or how it should be. You can listen to Hey You Know It on iTunes, a new episode every Monday. And here they are, Jaquetta and Katie. So um, I just wanted to report on OR7. We talked about this wolf uh, back in the day, a part of the Lassen pack that is in uh, on the West Coast. So it says the news is California's only known wild gray wolf pack welcomes three new pups. Oh, no kidding. How cool is that? Oh. So they were born to a mother in, uh, in the Lassen pack, which lives in the area um, in Lassen and Plumas counties back in April. And they <clears throat> spotted uh, three pups on a trail camera in mid-June. No So kidding. now the, with the three new pups, the estimated total size of the s- small pack is seven. Good. But there could be more. Mm-hmm. But they are growing. All right, so there's more so now is, than there this were. This is uh, significant because they're, the wolf population is decreasing, right? Yeah, so they had eradicated them in California in the 20s. Um, but some wolves had been coming over from Oregon, yeah. having <laughs> sussed out that, you know, the area was free and open. I feel like there's no wolves. Yeah, and that, that wolf pack was started by a wolf they call <laughs> OR7. So they're saying that this is a, a member of OR7's family mm-hmm. has now crossed over and is starting as, you know, their nice. own situation over there. Um, so they said the pack has been on the landscape since 2016 with the first litter in 2017. And you expect pups every year as long as they're a healthy family, a healthy pack. And they're acting like regular wolves. I don't know what else they were supposed to act like. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, they're acting like regular wolves because yeah. they are wolves. Um. So there apparently is the pack, uh, including the Lassen pack. There's the OR7 pack, and then there's three lone wolves that are out there. So maybe they'll start a family soon at some time, although they're limited in their choices mm-hmm. because there aren't a whole lot of wolves. Um, so they said conservationists are excited. Um, they're, oh, sorry, there's also a Shasta pack. Shasta? But they is haven't seen a, them in a while. Is there a tab? <laughs> no tab pack. Pack. Fresca. Mr. Pibbs. Yeah. Pack. So there was a Shasta pack, but they haven't seen the Shasta pack in two years. Uh, And they're excited that um, wolves are returning to California, so that says that the environment is developing nicely, Mm -hmm. which is cool. Are there six in this pack? (laughs) It's a seven pack. Yeah. That's cool. That's good news. Yeah. I'm happy about that. I mean, I understand what what people are saying, but you don't have to kill all the wolves in order Mm -hmm. to have farming in an area. Yeah. Also, I don't give a shit about farms. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, there are a lot of places where you can have farms where there aren't wolves. Yeah, right. Let the wolves roam Let free. the wolves roam, yeah. So it's Labor Day week. Yes. Labor Day week. It's over. Yeah, the summer's over. Fall's here. Yeah, fall is here. Well, it's the unofficial end of summer, even though summer is not ending for another three weeks or At so. At least. And I feel like, as I've mentioned before... Our, I feel like our summer starts, summer starts later yeah. and goes longer. 
Yeah, because the school year has extended. Yeah. And um, autumn technically starts, yeah, like I think the 22nd of September, 21st, mm-hmm. something like but that. They've, they've already been back for like a month now. And so okay. a university starts early this year as well. Some of them starting like on the 23rd. Yeah, of August. Yep. Yeah. But Labor Day is here and um, still the question persists. Can you wear white after Labor Day? No. No. <laughs> really? No. I don't think so. They change. I mean, it's been changing over the years, but I am conservative on this one. Really? Yes, okay. because I'm not a big fan of people wearing white anyway. Yeah. And so any chance I have to limit. To smack it down. Yeah, to when I can limit how much and, and when people are wearing it, no. I will. So no more white parties. Well, uh, well listen people. to this. Okay. Okay. Okay, so wearing white in the summer makes sense because it's it's hotter. It keeps you a little cooler. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, isn't it a, a wealth thing, a status symbol? Yeah, yes. But no one knows completely sure exactly why this fashion rule came into effect. Best guess it had to do with the snobbery of the late 1800s, yeah. early 1900s. And also people like me who are just like, cut it. The wives of super rich um, high society ruled with an iron fist after the Civil War. They ruled with an iron yes. fist. Yes, after the Civil War. Okay. As more and more people became millionaires, though it was difficult to tell the difference between respectable old money mm-hmm. families and those who are, had the new... In the South? So <laughs> the slave ma- old slave masters and new slave masters. Yeah, old, yeah, they're like old money and vulgar new money. Mm-hmm. By the 1880s, in order to tell who was acceptable and who wasn't, the woman who already felt in, quote-unquote, mm-hmm. felt it necessary to create dozens of fashion rules that everyone in the know had to follow. So stupid. That way, if a woman showed up at the opera in a dress that cost more than most Americans made in a year but had the wrong sleeve length, they other could... women could would know not to give her the time of day. So I, I was about to ask, what is the <clears throat> problem? The problem is, is that new money is more money. <laughs> really because yeah. a lot of I mean where I'm from a lot of the old money families all they have left now is that plantation yeah like there's they because they they made money but they didn't continue to make money mm-hmm. right they're just kind of living on what they had whereas the new money like you said this it's woman's m- showing up with the wrong sleeve yeah but her dress costs more than your entire wardrobe yeah you've got to find a way to bring her down a peg yes so it's keeping people out of the like on the outskirts, yeah. putting them down, making sure that you still stay elevated. But also, I find it interesting in the context of the United States because there's no, there's nothing here that's ever been classy, ever. Mm-hmm. Ever. <laughs> you know? So, not wearing white outside of summer months was another one of these rules. White was for weddings, resort wear, not dinner parties in the fall. Mm-hmm. Of course, it could get extremely hot in September and wearing white might make the most sense. But if you want to be appropriately attired, you just didn't do it. And it wasn't so, done. Yeah, so Labor Day became the, it, when it became a federal holiday in 1894, society eventually adopted it as the natural endpoint for summer fashion. And not everyone followed the rule, of course. Coco Chanel bucked the trend, mm-hmm. uh, who wore, and she wore white year-round. Okay, if it's your thing. Yeah. And though the rule was originally enforced by only a few hundred women, over the decades it trickled down to everybody else. A few hundred women? Yeah, think about that. It was Uh, only a few hundred women who were into this whole thing, and it just kind of became a thing. I'm really opposed to women making stupid rules for other women. Yeah. So this all was happening in the late 1800s. By the 1950s... Women's magazines made it clear to middle-class America white clothing came out on Memorial Day and mm-hmm. went away on Labor Day. 
So just like anything, like the trickle down, trickle down the trendsetters, like if, for example, the name Tiffany mm-hmm. was new back in the seventies. That yeah. was like a new name to have. So if you you meet somebody who is in her forties at this point. And her name is Tiffany. She got that name when it was new. And her yeah. mother and father are probably trendsetters and really like... Now it's a stripper name. Yes. And so 20 years later, you get Tiffany. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's that's right. trickled down it into... Down to... it's, it's already been out there. Yeah, it's nothing new, nothing fresh. So that means... That indicates the intelligence level of the parents yeah. and where they are it's their social this, standing. It's interesting. It's the same thing. And people always get into big discussions about it in the African-American community as well. That people are like... Whoa, people are just are judging us by our names. Everyone's getting judged by, by their name, name. Yeah. especially in this country. I mean, when you look at so many people's last names, these last names don't exist in mm-hmm. places where they came from. It was an attempt to shorten the name mm-hmm. and make it more palatable for mm-hmm. whatever reasons. Mm-hmm. To, to hide who they were or to elevate you know, who they are or whatever. That's just the way that it is. There's mm-hmm. nothing you can do about that. Yeah, so, but the thing is, it took, like, you know, 50 years, 60 years for it to be widespread across America. Also, Brittany. And Brittany is another one of those names. There were a lot of names when I was, I remember in the 70s and 80s that people thought were really, like, this is a a wealthy, like, Portia. Mm -hmm. Now, Portia is not, I don't even know if people know that it's an Italian name, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, right. You know, and how it's spelled, because I see all kinds of stuff. Yeah, so, that's... Yeah, go so, ahead. Where are your white? So That's what are the... Right now, there really aren't any fashion faux pas, I think. There really are not. I um, see people wearing... Which is good. Uh, people are wearing whatever they want to wear, whenever they want to wear it. And I especially think it's interesting. I see a lot for for children of them wearing costumes. Mm-hmm. Like, young children. Mm-hmm. So you'll see a little girl, like, wearing a princess dress, just, like, around. Yeah. With their parents. Yeah. Not a big deal. Or a little boy wearing like a cape. Because it's or not a big like deal. That around, you know, wearing whatever they want to do. But when we were kids, you weren't allowed to dress like, outside of dress up, you weren't allowed to dress no, like that. No, because there was a certain thing where the reason why parents groom their children and dress them and make sure their hair is done so they fit in with other kids. Yeah. And so they're not socially ostracized by, by their peers. It's a way of socializing them and making sure that they appear safe and approachable. Yeah. <laughs> now you that's walk out. in with like wearing, you know, tiny a pirate hat and you know a tube sock as a ponytail holder. Like, what are you doing? You know, it's <laughs> that I would like to see <laughs> in an eighties context. <laughs> like a tube sock scrunchie. I yeah. think you're onto something there. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's in a way to keep people, you know, to let people know that you're safe. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, um, but or yeah, to no, hide, fashion to hide who you are. Fashion, no. That I mean, with climate change, the way yeah. things are going, the weather is everything so is changing now. I find that I'm not doing my shopping the way that we were raised to do it. Mm-hmm. So now, is, is you do you be buying fall stuff now? But it's not going to be time to wear that until, like, December. Yeah, with the way the weather is Yeah, with the way the weather is. So what do you do? So you have your transitional pieces that take Mm. you from summer to fall. fall. Yeah, you just... Pre-summer. So fabrics and prints that were once exclusive to summer Mm -hmm. are Are now now incorporated into your fall transition. So you can wear that frilly, like like a polyesterish kind of... uh, Print floral dress. Mm-hmm. Oh God! 
You know, yeah. now over leggings and with a cardigan. I see the floral print dress is huge now. I, yeah. like, just casually saw an article about it, and I was like, ah, whatever. But then I noticed everyone's mm-hmm. wearing floral print. Mm-hmm. I can't do it. You, were no, you won't do it? No. No? I can't do it. It's just not a part of the scene that I participate in. Well, right it's now, just... you're a scarf that you're wearing with the polka dots. Oh, this is That's... my schmata for at home. I would never wear this out. <laughs> this is like a stu- this is a studio scarf. Studio. Yeah. But the polka dots are, are coming back. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, I bought this like in in like the in the train station. Yeah, <laughs> it looks good. Well, it's it's hot. Yeah, I needed something to put it's on. It's hot. What do you? So have? I just randomly this is I like to pick topics I know nothing about whatsoever. So we talked about Bitcoin and Bitcoin, mm-hmm. which was kind of a renegade cryptocurrency that was out there. Uh, I think Steven Seagal was propping it up mm-hmm. for us sometime. So there's just some other cryptocurrencies that have already failed. Oh, okay. Yeah, and there there are tons of them. Like I looked on uh, online, there was like a list of like a hundred different cryptocurrencies. Are you kidding? I had Everybody no idea. was trying to get into this it. This one's okay. like it's not too late for the hikey bucks. Okay. Like we used to joke about it, but it's not really funny. Um, <laughs> so there was a cryptocurrency that failed called uh, Gems. It was a social networking platform using cryptocurrency to pay members to view advertisements within an app. To pay at people to view advertisements. Yes. In an app. In an app. Okay. Uh, Get Gems was proud of the idea, and they said it would disrupt social media as we know it. As uh, But okay. those claims fell flat. By the end of 2014, the company reported a disappointing crowd sale. So the thing for these cryptocurrencies is, just like with stocks, when they get onto the market and they mm-hmm. try to sell as many as they can, mm-hmm. and usually they raise millions or tens of millions of dollars, these guys raise $110,000. Oh, <laughs> yes. okay. Um, and it was a small amount compared to other cryptocurrencies who also said they were going to disrupt uh, the economy. So the most successful, um, the, the place where it was used the most was in Uzbekistan. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's that it. Didn't do well. That's yeah, it. That's it. Didn't do well. There was another one called Dogecoin. Uzbekabucks. Uzbekabucks. <laughs> Dogecoin started as a joke. Mm-hmm. This, this is the weird. This is what happens when you have too much money sloshing around mm-hmm. and too much free time. Who starts a currency as a joke? Like just as a lark. Let's say, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it started as a joke, but became a serious cryptocurrency backed by a passionate community. Um, they became known for using Doge for charitable charitable acts, such as raising enough money to send the Jamaican bobsled team to the 2014 Winter Olympics. Um, the currency survived and then thrived, but then it was ruined when the founder uh, of the exchange it was on ran off with everyone's money. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> so, All right. That's it. Um, and that, that seems to be what happens to a lot of these cryptocurrencies. It's like someone comes up with an idea and is like, I'm starting a new currency. Why don't you give me your dollars? Yeah. <laughs> or whatever, your yen, <laughs> your pounds. Right. And then I'll turn it into and, this crypto. Yeah, currency. and then they run they run out the back door. There was another one called Paycoin, launched in 2014, calling for new variations of the blockchain technology, and it was a new breed of cryptocurrency. Um, apparently... People couldn't steal it fast enough. Um, Yeah, they shut down almost immediately uh, and after people gave them the money. 
and people lost faith in the currency. Oh, wow. They just, as soon as they got, they were like... As soon as they got the money, they ran off with it. So it just, so bizarre. So I was just researching more and more of these cryptocurrencies. In order to start a cryptocurrency, it doesn't seem like you need a whole lot, but like the name of it. Uh And then you need to have some snake oil salespersons to go out there and convince people to give you their actual money for this future money. Yeah. Right. So if you give me a hundred dollars now of U.S. dollars, I will like put aside for you digitally a hundred hikey bucks. Yeah. So you have that. And go out and get more people to get the hikey to bucks. get the hikey bucks. And then I don't know what we would do with the hikey bucks then. What do you? Because the like, real money was working. And now trying to get other people to accept hikey bucks mm-hmm. like they would a dollar. Yeah. And I think most people, if we showed up with a hikey bug, we'd be like, great, convert that back into a dollar. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so apparently that's a, it's a thing. Wow. Yeah, cryptocurrency. They're already failing. I don't know how they... How um, are they supposed to? Because there's nothing behind them to back them up. No, if they had something behind it, anything that would, to back it up, like any kind of reserve. It could be gold, mm-hmm. another metal, something. doesn't have to be a metal. I'm just, you know, mm-hmm. something physical that... If the hikey buck falls apart, we could be like, well, we've got these podcasts. Yeah. And for each hikey buck, we'll give you, you know, 10 minutes of a podcast. So at least you know you have something. Yeah. To turn it into. Who knows? It's bizarre. It's the new world, right? People making up currencies. Wow. Yeah. And then running off with the money. That's old world. Whatever happened to just like... You know, giving them an actual product that doesn't work. You don't need that anymore. You're living in the last millennium. Yeah. Product. <laughs> Next thing you know, work. you want me to have a store where you can buy the product. That doesn't no. work. Yeah. We're dispensing with all that now. You just give me your money. Uh, and then you've given me your money. <laughs> Cut to the chase. Just yeah. give me your money. Just give me your money. You don't get anything. That's yeah. the beauty of it. <laughs> you walk free. Yeah. And lighter. In yeah. the pocket. Yeah, but you bought something. But you don't have to worry about it. Okay. <laughs> that's something to me that's cryptocurrency. Okay. Right? <laughs> All right, what do you have? They got the four R's. Well, with uh, Labor Day okay. comes the back-to-school days, know. right? Back, yeah, to back to school. And with back-to-school comes the back-to-school jitters. Yeah, for teachers and for students. Yes. So how to counter back-to-school anxiety. Mm-hmm. It's, so, not, yeah. it's great for parents because I, 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 remember, I remember parents being like, get out. Mm-hmm. Can't wait till school starts. <laughs> yeah, so, um, you know, pe- kids are anxious, teachers are anxious. Parents are not anxious. So they're the ones who have to take up the, the slack here the slack. And, help, and help the kids kind of slide back into the The parents are making pina coladas <laughs> before the bus comes, kicking the kids out the door. Yeah. yeah, so here's a list of tips to help your child transition. First of all, listen to them. Be available. Mm-hmm. If children have questions about school or once school starts, something exciting happens during the day, parents should make time to listen. Okay. Sharing the excitement can help erase concerns. Do you I don't remember ever telling anybody about my day at, after school. No, I didn't. Not a lot, but sometimes if there was something amazing. I remember some of my cornier friends 
Like, their parents would be like, so, what did you do at school mm-hmm. today? We're like, are you fucking... Like, yeah, no, we had no time dude, for Dude, we're that. in third grade. What do you think we did? Yeah. Some math, little science, <laughs> red, went to the rug, you know. This one, you know, talked too much in class and got sent to the principal's yeah. office. Something exciting. Yeah. That's what we talked about. Um, Someone had a knife. <laughs> or a, you know, <laughs> <Someone> matches. <laughs> a knife. Yeah, it's elementary school, you know, yeah, so yeah. matches. Uh, be specific. Beyond the listening, drill down to the specifics. It's important for parents to explore the kids what they're feeling anxious about. Mm-hmm. Uh, let kids be the experts. I say no. Yeah. You know what they're anxious about. Look, they were free all summer, mm-hmm. enjoying themselves. Yeah. And now they have to go into but but basically looks like, you know, the wall. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. The where, they, file. where all of their creativity and their joy and their, you know, openness is, is ground, progressively ground out of them. Right. They're in exhausted. In uncomfortable chairs. Yeah. Being Pay around attention a, to this. a bunch of kids, you got like 25 kids, at least eight of them are assholes, mm-hmm. but you have to be in a class with them. Yeah. Yeah. It's annoying. <laughs> I was a teacher. I know. I look at the kids and I can see, you know. Like who's like. Mm. Yeah. Even, even, especially in elementary school, there were always kids that the other kids were like, oh man, he's in, ah. Oh, yeah. Not Andre. <laughs> <laughs> like, why? I'm just saying, let kids be the expert and generate solutions. Ask them what helps them feel better in other scary situations. They're going to be like, bitch, I'm asking you. No, I You're know. the parent. Yeah, I know. You're turning this back on me? Give them the tools. Don't tell them, yes. like, oh, what do you think you should do? Yeah. I don't know. I have no idea. That's why, I, you know what, forget I'm it. asking you for help. Yeah. I remember asking my mom if, like, something was bothering me. I'm like, what do I do? She's like, well... When you're hurt, I hurt. Oh. I'm like, I don't know what to say. Because <laughs> I need a solution that can work to She this. deflected that <laughs> next, next kid. Uh, positive messages. Talk about things your kid can look forward to in school. Past the experience. end of school. <laughs> Friends and field trips are good examples. Okay. There are so few of those yeah, nowadays. But it, it, like, you have to do something to make them feel good about sitting yeah. there. About sitting there and having the life drained out of them. Talk about previous triumphs. Mm-hmm. Reach out to the teacher. Leave the teacher alone. Leave the they teacher have their alone. Own yeah, they issues. Do your job, parents. Parents, this is another. This is a good one. Start the routine early. Mm-hmm. Help bore them early. You know, beforehand, <laughs> school starts the night before. Just have them practice sitting in a really uncomfortable chair, <laughs> staring straight ahead. Find and clean the backpacks, lunch boxes, all that stuff. Some people don't. They're like, oh, yeah, I think this. <laughs> From last year. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, try um, get them up earlier, a few days in advance. Mm-hmm. We're still trying to figure out, and I discuss this with teachers every year and other people who are working in education. We don't know why school starts before work starts. It is hell on parents. Yeah. I don't have children, but I have never talked to parents who have been happy with the start time. And some schools, uh, as charter schools, are doing 9 to 5. Really? To work, because who can get off and pick up their kid at 2.30? Yeah. Who can get their kid to work? Who can, if you have to be to work at 9 and your kid has to be to school at like 8, yeah. how does that work? Yeah. Right? <laughs> so, yeah, no, you have to get up super early, get yeah. in there, and then get but, yourself And also, to too, all the research that they've done about how children don't perform, have trouble getting to sleep early, how teenagers uh, and tweens don't perform early in the mm-hmm. morning. All the evidence suggests that school should start 
later. School needs to start later, yeah. and it needs to go a little later. And it needs to go later. Even if it means, like, the academic stuff stops at a certain time, they should have art and yeah. physical. Or how about having a real lunch? Mm-hmm. How about instead of giving them 20 minutes to have lunch, how about giving them one hour yeah. to eat, digest, socialize, or run around, go yeah. to the bathroom, um, and then have a longer <laughs> day? You know what I mean? Yeah. As I always, I think about that. Obviously, it's been a long time since either of us have been in, you know, elementary school. But I just remember feeling that the lunch was always really rushed. Yeah. Like, if they just made the day a little long. And then we're done at two. It's like, then we're waiting for our parents for four hours. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it makes it, no it, sense. I, th- I think the stop time, it was when it was expected that all the mothers were stay-at-home mothers and could get the kids. But even if they were stay-at-home mothers, why do they have to come pick their kid up at two? Yeah. <laughs> like, know. what? They can't have a couple extra hours to, you know, get high at home or whatever they're doing (laughs) to stoop the milkman. Yeah. It makes no sense. You only have a couple of hours to get everything done. I see some of the women that uh, in my neighborhood that their kids do a half day. Mm -hmm. They're like, some of them just stay there because they're like, it's not even worth going home. Oh, my God. Because you're coming, you're using public transportation or you're walking. You drop the kids off. They're there for like three hours. And that's it. Yeah. Why should you go home? That's right, because home, then back again. And then back again, especially if you have a lot of stuff and you have another. I see several of them have another child, a younger kid with them. So now it's like, you know, are you going to pack that up, go home, repack it, and bring it back out? It's too much schlepping. It's too much schlepping, yeah. So do a dry run going to school. Get the students, like, into the routine. Like, quick, go! (laughs) Like, ah, we thought school started next week. Surprise. Yeah, because when you're going to a new place... And you're just like, eh, what is this? Although I liked changing schools. Yeah. I got I was one of the kids I got annoyed. After two years at one school, I was like, ugh, I've seen everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, don't ignore clothing anxiety. This is a tough one. Um, we had uniforms, so it was pretty easy. But I still have friends who were traumatized by what their parents had them wear to go to school. Mm-hmm. Especially friends of mine who are first generation. Oh. Because their parents just didn't get it. Yeah. Or they say they didn't get it. Yeah. So I don't understand. Like, if you were new to a country or new to an area, the fir- and you have children, the first thing you have to do is look around and, like you said, and make sure that if they want to, your kid can look like everybody else. Yeah. Because that can be very traumatic for yeah. children. And not that you have to shoehorn them into it. Because there yeah. are some kids who don't care, who want to express themselves through their clothing and look different. But yeah, I just I remember some of my friends just being like, oh, "Why did they get like it, they would have clothing was like almost the right thing." Yeah, yeah. But and it would have been better if they'd just been plain. And then their parents are like, "You're being ungrateful." I'm like, Yo, your kids getting teased. Yeah. You know, like yeah. that. You know, you don't have any sense to like think about that. Yeah, it, it, there's and the, also the social connections they talk about. The kids have anxiety around friends. Who's going to yeah. be in my class? Mm-hmm. Who can I sit with at lunch? Am I going to have a best friend? That was always a big thing. Like, who am I going to be in this classroom with all day? Yeah, it's huge. I one time had to sit next to a kid that had all kinds of issues. We, sh- we had just next to each other, and I was never angry. It was the worst year of my life in school. Mm-hmm. I just didn't like this person. He was disrespectful. He couldn't get his work done. And I'm like, now nah, I'm stuck here sitting <laughs> yeah, next yeah, to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, you got to be happy where you're sitting. Yeah, and I'm sure they put me with him because I was just kind of like, whatevs. Oh, I'm from one year, I was like seated by a wall and I had a fish tank in front of me. <laughs> I'm trying to box you out. Right? And then like 
this guy who never talked behind me, a bigot on the other side. <laughs> That's all, those are the best. There's nothing like a bigot when you're in school because you're like, no one's going to do anything about this because it's always like, well, they're just a kid. And you're like, I'm just a kid, too, and this yeah. isn't cool. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Yeah, those those that was like the worst year. I I wonder because having having taught elementary school a little bit, there's always in a class one or two kids that ruin it. I always was like, as a teacher, why can't we just get rid of those kids? Can't, yeah, you know what I mean. It's not fair <laughs> to the other eighteen kids. Yeah, that every day has to be ruined by these two kids, and like. I, you know, you try to bring it up to parents, but they're not trying to hear it. I just mm-hmm. wish there was somewhere where you could be like, just go over there. Yeah, yeah. You know <laughs> just, what I mean? Like, you don't want to be here. No one likes you. Right? <laughs> you, don't, you don't know how to behave. Yeah. yeah. They don't you're, know disru- how to you, you're ruining everyone's second grade. <laughs> I think the tendency nowadays would be that to put all of our resources into that one kid and figure out what's going on and ignore the other ones. Yeah. But at a certain point, you got to be like, maybe this isn't the setting for you. Maybe you need a more, you know, open environment. Like a farm to live on. Yeah, or at least not here. Yeah. <laughs> so those are the advice. Yeah. It's frustrating for kids. Yeah. Kids don't have control over that. Yeah, they don't. You know? No. no. So, anyway, good luck all yeah, of you. Yeah, good luck. Um, so I have on the other side, mm-hmm. for the teachers... This is from the Truth for Teachers podcast. This is how to turn back to school anxiety into real enthusiasm. Oh. Not that manufactured enthusiasm <laughs> in a cup okay. we call coffee. Um, mindset and motivation. So it says, have back to school nightmares started for you yet? And I remember this as a new teacher being like, yeah. And then remembering like, oh, my God, if I'm freaked out and I'm in charge of this piece. Like, yeah, what who's about driving what this thing? Yeah. Um, so... It's not just you. Back to school nightmares, uh, anxious sleepless nights are par for the course. And it's also normal, they let people know, to experience anxiety during the day uh, with a touch of dread for pretty much the entire three weeks leading up to the school year. So the month of August uh, for teachers is like rosé month. Okay. <laughs> it's, a, it's the last hurrah. Fueled by. Yeah. It says, let's start by making one important distinction. No one is excited about the loss of free time and family time. Most people don't say, woohoo, I'm going to barely see my kids or spouse for the next 10 months. I love neglecting my Netflix queue, and I don't want any time to relax. I can't wait to hear that 4.30 a.m. alarm clock go off. To only be able to use the bathroom at 10.17 and 1.28. Yeah. I for- like, these are things. So the things that, are, uh, that you were talking about, uh, the anxieties that come up for children, and the anxieties that come up for teachers and staff, all of these could be alleviated by making some simple changes. Yeah. Why is this person think like she can only go to the bathroom twice? I'm sorry, they can't figure something out. They can't figure out to have someone just walking around seeing if anyone needs to. Yeah, go to the bathroom. bathroom. What if you have your period? Yeah, right. Or you just can text somebody, come over here while I take a quick break. That doesn't happen a lot. There's usually no one around. Um, So it's fine to mourn the loss of time, uh, but you don't have to, and you don't have to be excited about it. But you shouldn't dwell on what you're losing but focus on what you're gaining. So, one thing they say. That's like you never saw a teacher go to the bathroom. No, you, they, they can't. Uh, and now, uh, more opportunities to be creative. Oh, and also, when I go to schools to do visits, sometimes the teacher's bathroom, I'm like, are you kidding me with this? It's not even a nice place to be. Like, there's not a table to put your stuff down. Or, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's your time. Yeah. But if you have to 
uh, freshen something. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's all they. They usually look like a bathroom and like the a you prison. know, yeah, like a prison bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> the toilet's one piece. Yeah, oh. it's pretty bad. It says you should look towards uh, forward to more opportunities to be creative. Okay, right. So it's a blank slate. Uh, the possibilities are endless. Setting up your classroom, decorating, all the fun stuff that people like about teaching, the mm-hmm. preparation part. So you can pretend that things are going to be different this year. <laughs> um, it says few people get a completely fresh start at their jobs once a year. That's one cool thing about teaching is those kids from last year, you're not, you will see them in the hallway. That's it. So you get a whole new crop. New, fresh, and exciting. So if you had a problem with little Tommy and little Tina, gone. they're gone. They've moved yeah. on. Um, there are more exciting opportunities to get to know amazing colleagues, kids, and parents. So new people, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, think about some of the jobs you've had. If every year a whole new team came in, might be nice. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> like a whole new yeah. office. Yeah. Every oh, year. but then getting used to the new people. But then they're gone Yeah. in nine months. Um, uh, more opportunities to change the lives of children forever. Uh, no one entered the field of teaching because they love meetings, data, and filling out paperwork or doing cafeteria duty. We're educators because we believe that what we do every day has the power to change lives. And that's all true. However, these things, the meetings, the data, the paperwork, and the cafeteria duty, they could change all of that if they mm-hmm. wanted to. It's up to them. Yeah. So all of these things about, I guess my point is, all of the things about school that annoy parents, that annoy children, that annoy educators and staff in a school, we no, could change, change those it. things. All of it has to be changed. To ma- we could change the time. We could change the duties. We could change the um, the how much you have contact with the parents. Like, you could increase that, bringing parents in the classroom, you know, dealing with these kids. All that stuff could be changed. Yeah. If people found it important to do so. Yeah. I guess. I agreed. Agreed, agreed, agreed. Um, and also, well, we still, on the East Coast here, we still have this summer off, but a lot of places around the country have X amount of time on and then a little break, and then more time on a little break. And I hear people say that that works well. Oh, really? Instead so of having, having like, whole summer off. So they have like three semesters. Mm-hmm. Okay. With a couple of weeks break in between. And that gives the students, I, I, I think it would be really good, I don't know about for younger children, but for high schoolers, it would probably be helpful for them to catch up on things, yeah. you know what I mean? You have projects. I think a lot of the school, like a lot of schools that that whole thing started having off during the summers because there was no air conditioning. Mm-hmm. Also. And also they a lot of kids had to work and help um, their families on the farm. Yeah, or whatever but that hasn't been a thing for such a I long know. time and we still are doing it, which yeah. I don't really understand. We're 80% urban. Yeah. And still, nobody has to go milk the cow. No one has to milk the cow. Now a machine's <laughs> doing it. Yeah. All right, what do you have? Oh, I have here um, Tales from Dear Campfire. Okay, Tales from Dear Campfire is a segment where we found tales on the internet uh, that are frightening, tales of the paranormal, fake lore, folklore, ghost stories. And scary stuff. We retell them here around the digital campfire, so gather around. Gather around. So this one is the, the creepiest stories that happened at school. Okay. Oh, cool. Okay, so. School ghost stories. Okay. Okay, the past year in college, we had a ghost named Gideon living in our dorm who has followed my roommate from place to place, or so he claims. Quite. Oh, who claims? The roommate or Gideon? The roommate. Okay. <laughs> Gideon is the ghost. The roommate is like, I have this ghost, Gideon, that Gideon. follows me from place to place. Okay. Um, he would hear his name. So this is the guy that's being followed okay. by Gideon. He said he would hear his name, have his bed being shaken in the middle of the night, and stuff like that. He mm-hmm. wasn't the only one to experience it. 
As the school year went on, Gideon began to get comfortable with all of us, and the activity became frequent. Okay. When alone, I heard faucets running. Faucets running. So I looked about and found nobody to be in the dorm apartment. Mm-hmm. I've heard knocking on my door, and when I opened it, nobody would be there. This is a dorm. Yeah. Okay. And, oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard knocking at my door, quick little raps, about three to five knocks every time I'm alone in my, the dorm apartment with my bedroom door closed. Okay. I, yeah. Every once in a while, late at night, I hear a loud slap on my door or on my wall. Excuse me. <laughs> a loud meaty slap. <laughs> I have a metal water bottle I keep on my windowsill, and one night it sounded as though someone was just picking it up and setting it down softly. Okay. Just enough so there would be a metallic clinking on the sill, which happened to be made of concrete or something. Or something. Something. Some hard surface. I heard a noise as though something had fallen off my desk. When I woke up, my chapstick was on the floor beside my bed. Good heavens, girl, run! <laughs> oh, a chapstick has been moved? Something that could roll <laughs> Which had easily. originally been standing up in the middle of my desk. Mm-hmm. I heard it drop to the floor the night before, but my windows were closed and the fan was off, so I don't know how it could have gotten there. All right. Something handed my pillow to me. <laughs> <laughs> That's weird. Yeah. I woke up sometime in the night That's to find... That's an escalation. I woke up to find some time, sometime in the night to find it wasn't on the bed. I reached out groggily, and suddenly it was in my hand. Oh. <laughs> Did you reach down? <laughs> it was in your hand. Something, like if you reach your hand out, something places something in your hand. Yeah, no thanks. Something had tried unlocking, unlocking my roommate's door from the outside. He found little scratches from where the door meets the frame. This would be a, you know, person. Someone, someone trying to break in. Yeah. And the catch on the door was scratched as well. I had a guest spending the night, and they saw some strange shadow moving on my ceiling. We tried to recreate the shadow, but couldn't. The shades were down, so it was too much light coming I in. like the idea of trying to recreate it because... That's what happened. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, we're going to try to make this happen again. Yeah. Like, hey. Yeah. My roommate was alone and saw somebody out of the corner of his eye walk past his room. It doesn't sound weird, but the figure no, was it doesn't. walking towards the wall that's just windows. And there's nothing there other there than a couch. When he left the room to see who it was, there was nobody there. And nobody could have gone anywhere, being that we were on the fifth floor. <laughs> One afternoon, my other roommate, who... The one who brought Gideon with him, of course, saw a shadowy figure walk into one of the bathrooms. One night, I experienced a loud knock on my door. I said, yeah, got up, opened my door. There was, of course, nobody there. At the same time I opened my door, my roommate across from me opened his door, claiming someone knocked on his door. They're all knocking on each other's doors. Yes, they're knocking on each other's doors. It's college. Yeah. He thought it was People find that to be amusing for some reason. I went to a women's college, so that never happened. Yeah. It's all dudes do it. But it's dudes do it. Because yeah. no woman's like, hey, hey, Katie, we're going to roll past Felicia's door, just give it a quick knock, and then book it. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. Like, what? Yeah, and by the time, like, a dude gets up out of bed and gets to a door, it's plenty <laughs> yeah, of time for somebody to walk time. away. <laughs> yeah. I never felt Gideon was a bad presence, just uh, kind of there and doing his thing. I feel like if we did that to a woman, a meet, like, a, before we even got our hand off the door, she'd be like, what? Yeah. <laughs> um... <laughs> Hey, yeah. we're just we're having an ice cream social. I don't know. There was never anything bad um, that happened to any of us having him there, other than the eerie feeling being alone in a place as though you weren't entirely alone. Why Gideon? And is it not? I mean, I guess it speaks to the times. If a man had said, 
when we were in college that he had a ghost attached to him, people would have been like, <laughs> it, yeah, it, yeah, it wouldn't yeah. have gone very far. But these guys are like, yeah, whatever. But ghosts, who knows what you get in college with a roommate? Yeah, you know. But usually, with the things being attached and like moving from place to place, it so usually happens to a woman. Yeah. And this is a, what, a poltergeist? Is that what that yeah. is? A poltergeist is something that travels with a person yeah. from place to place. Bizarre. All right, so here we have some uh, some hacks from the Washington Post. Caroline Hacks, one of our favorites, on Advice and Advice. Oh! Advice and Advice is a segment where we find advice on the internet that stinks. And it's unqualified. And we try to improve upon it by giving our advice on advice. And I mistitle it. It's not, it's, it's from the Washington Post. It's not hacks. It's bonheur. Oh! Or bonoir. Oh, we know how to say somebody it. fresh. A licensed clinical psychologist who's been helping readers with a baggage check since 2005. Fresh meat. Fresh. Um, I am dating again two years after a bitter divorce. My ex-husband wasn't capable of pulling his weight financially, so Uh, it was always up to me to keep us afloat. He did not keep jobs for long. I always find that strange. Mm. I've had a couple of friends who have, well, not anymore, but in my past who couldn't keep jobs. I'm like, what are you doing? Why can't you keep a job? Why can't you just keep a job? It's really hard to get fired in a lot of places. Um, he did not keep jobs for long and thought nothing of blowing our savings, despite bringing in very little. Oh, a charmer. My God. This time, I am determined to find someone who can provide, at least for himself, to avoid this constant source of stress. All right. I'm getting pushback about being a gold digger, that I need to get to know someone longer before hearing about their financial situation. Is it ba- that bad for me to want to know right off the bat? That I'm not wasting my time with someone who will be like my ex-husband. Wow. This is a difficult one because, you know, here's somebody who is legitimately burned mm. uh, by being with someone who could not pull their weight financially. She's, I don't like that her friend said that she's a gold digger. No. She's really just saying, I want someone who can at least provide for themselves. A stable, stable financial life. Yeah. yeah she yeah. says it here. Someone who can provide at least for themselves. Yeah. Because apparently it was the stresses her out. This is a thing that it's we have to talk about it more in terms of not being a gold digger and versus versus like just having a standard of living that's acceptable. Yeah, and of, and being in a partnership with somebody who is going to be responsible. I don't think that's about being a, like a gold digger. That's harsh to gold say. Gold digger to her. is harsh. Oh yeah, very harsh. It's, and it's and like if you were a gold digger, you go after somebody with gold. Yes, <laughs> you know. Well, that's what I when I was younger. Like, oh, if you want to have any kind of money, you're yes. considered a gold digger. Gold is like is pricey. But I have yeah, I've heard from a lot of guys be like, ah, she's a gold digger. I'm like, not with you. She's digging for copper. Yeah, right. you know what I mean, like a dirt digger because you don't have anything you don't have anything the Nobody dudes who I've gold. heard that are worried about gold they have been broke as a joke yeah they they're like, oh, they're, she's after me for the money no. and, but guys who have a lot of money sometimes I mean they want women to find that attractive yeah right they, they're like I've worked really hard to build this this financial situation that's stable yeah please admire it yeah like yeah, yeah, right. what else is it for yeah I'm just gonna sleep with it yeah like I'm asleep with this it's money. It's for people to it's like. It's for and people want to, to like. It's a part of the package. Yeah. Right. In the same way that I'm sure for a lot of uh, men who are dating women that they're not looking for someone who's having a lot of financial difficulties either, mm-hmm. because if the woman her car has been impounded, uh, she's doing a short sale on her place. 
Mm-hmm. You know, she's had to sell her cat. And I'm talking about an actual cat. It's not a euphemism. Yeah. Like, you know, like, <laughs> she, like, that's, that's someone who is not maybe ready to bring someone else into their life. Yeah. Right? If they can't even provide for themselves, that's right. a little shady. Right, right. If they're looking, if they're looking for, there's, it's something to be said about hard times. Because people go through, sure. like, a, a hard situation. And yeah. they're still, like, But you have to be clear viable. that that's a... A time. Yeah. As opposed to, I guess what I was trying to get to is that that kind of person, the disorganization or the way that they approach their finances might be emblematic of how oh, they right, 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 right. conduct other, you know, how they conduct themselves in other areas of their life. Not always. Yeah. But I found that people who are uh, disorganized a lot of times with their finances, that disorganization goes elsewhere. Right, right, right. And you can get sucked into that if you get involved with them, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, financially or otherwise. So, um, Bonoir says, first, where is this pushback coming from? Are you publicly attempting to secure the bank account numbers of blind dates before you agree to meet them? Or are you just telling your friends that finding a man who can pull his weight financially is important to you? And they are opining in a negative way. I'm guessing it's the latter, but their their opinions should not dictate your behavior, and they may be oversimplifying the situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. It also depends on, we don't know how old this the the person is who's writing in but ex-husband they were together for a while mature mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and i think there's nothing it's not like she's 21 and she's expecting the guy to be gordon gecko yeah um but the i'm sh- sure money can't make a love match but as as many a mother has said to a daughter it's e- just as easy to love a rich man as it is a poor man yes. <laughs> but lack of financial responsibility sure can wreck a match and create a lot of turmoil in the process. And yeah, and you shouldn't look down on someone just because they're filthy, sinking rich. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Ladies, <laughs> yeah. don't discriminate in that yeah. direction either. Given your experiences, your mindset seems reasonable. The same way a person who's had their heart broken by a partner of substance abuse may prefer a non-drinker. Yes, as someone who dated an alcoholic when they were younger, I'd say, I'm not doing that again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, let yourself search out what's right for you. To best avoid heartache, as long as you're respectful and non-intrusive in your information gathering. I would think, I think this is good advice. I would think due to are financially secure, they don't boast about it necessarily, but they telegraph that. Yeah. As a selling point. Like, hey, I have health insurance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. It's, or, you know, it's like, hey, I... Yeah, they do. They do let you know. Yeah. Like, because that's part of... They know that that's, that's part, part of the, the package. package. Like, like, this is what I'm bringing to the if table. If I were a man and I was trying to really put myself out there competitively to women, I would definitely... And I had a, a good amount of money, I would play that up. Yeah. You'd be like, that guy's probably good, but, you know... And McDonald's is probably good also, but... <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm Chipotle. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, because they know that, and, and they also take pride in being able to be a provider. Yeah. And to be like, oh, I can I can take care of myself and you and whoever else comes along. But the, the same kind of thing, I think, happens sometimes with just friendships, especially as you get older. It's just easy to be with someone who, and do things with them, like on a cursory level, say just dating and stuff like that, when you both are able to pick up the tab. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because you don't know which way things are going to go. Yeah. Right? You don't want to be out to a, a meal with someone and all of a sudden they'd be like, well, I had one beer too many that I can't afford. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, can you help me out here? Yeah. So I think this is not bad advice from Dr. Andrea Bonoir. Hmm. I think. Well done. All right. We're good. 
Thank you for listening to Hey You Know It. Stay in touch with us during the week. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Tumblr. Go to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. We'll read it on an upcoming show regardless of content. As always, we love your emails. Send us an email at heyyouknowit at gmail.com with your comments, questions, and segment ideas. Emails will also be read on upcoming shows. Please tell your friends about us because you know we don't advertise. And let them know we can be found on iTunes at Stitcher.com and at HeyYouKnowIt.com. Thanks. 